So let's uh, start with a prayer as we begin this evening in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we welcome you to come with your Holy Spirit as we reflect on uh, the power of grace and our, your invitation to each of us to enter into uh, a life of grace, um, a life healed, made whole, made holy. And we just ask that we may imitate the Blessed Mother, that we may, like Mary, receive you, Jesus, and commune with you to enter into heaven with you, even now on earth, to experience this communion, so that we might give you to the world, to give you, all, to, give you to all the people that we may meet each day. We ask you to help us, Lord, to root out any sins of lust and gluttony, to detox us from these capital sins, these deadly sins, from all the deadly sins. We want to be perfect and holy, which your grace makes possible. And we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as we begin uh, this, this evening, I'd like to just do a little, one other prayer as well. <clears throat> and this is a prayer of just beginning the evening with, um, again, we're learning about, we're growing in awareness of uh, particular capital sins in our lives, um, these deadly sins, these toxins that keep us really from experiencing life to the full, which is what God wants, right? We've been talking about this um, over the last few weeks. So let's, let's ask the Lord right now to give us the strength in our wills to empower us, because we have this gift through baptism that Jesus lives in us, and we can renounce, and we can sever and break in his power and in his name anything that is keeping us from that full life, that freedom. And this is something <coughs> I find that a lot of times uh, we, don't, we don't really understand the power we have. And this is important because at baptism, we were given tremendous power from God, a tremendous power. And the devil does not want us to claim that authority. And this is the biggest deception, really, that Satan works in our lives often is he, he keeps us from realizing the tremendous authority and power we have over sin. And it's not our personal power, right? But it's, it's Christ, as Paul says, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. And so as we do these prayers, I'm just going to lead you through a few prayers of just renouncing particular sins or spirits that may be uh, associated with the, the last number of capital sins that we've been dealing with. So I just ask you to pray with me. And, and as you pray, it's important that you pray with your spirit. You're praying with our spirit. That's the heart of who we are, our, the very part, deepest part of our being, the spirit of God communing with my human spirit and empowering me in Jesus to drive out, to remove, to, 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 to cut and sever any ties I've made or legal agreements that I've made with Satan. 
And we don't often understand this, but in the spiritual world, the demons are very much legalistic in their approach. If we give them legal agreement and permission to move in our lives, they'll move in our lives. So when we sin, we are in some way making an agreement with the devil. And we don't often see that. We're often not aware of what we're really doing. As Jesus says, forgive them. They know not what they do. But when you sin or when we believe a lie, we're making an agreement, a legal contract that we are giving that spirit permission to minister to us. Just as we make an agreement with God, we believe in Jesus, the new covenant in his blood. That means we're giving Christ permission, really for our own free will, a legal permission, a covenant to move and act in our lives. And so knowing who you and I are in Christ, beloved sons and daughters of God, I'd like right now for you and I to just pray right now for these graces. So let's just repeat after me from your heart, from your soul, from your spirit. We're going to start, start with um, anger and some of the sins and uh, areas there. So pray with me in the name of Jesus. I renounce the spirit of unholy anger. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of repressed anger. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of control. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of mockery and hatred. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of rage and violence. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of blasphemy and murder. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of hostility and division. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of death. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of bitterness and resentment. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of disappointment and discouragement. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of depression and retaliation. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of revenge and sadness. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of unforgiveness and disobedience. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of rebellion and defiance. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of destruction and self-hatred. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of self-rejection. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of weariness and fatigue. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of pride and arrogance. 
in the name of Jesus. I renounce the spirit of unbelief and never. Renounce the spirit of unbelief and never. In the name of Jesus. I renounce and break any inner vows I've made with the enemy. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, I break the power of these spirits and lies off of your lives, and I command any and all evil spirits associated with any of these lies and spirits to leave your minds, your bodies, and your souls now. In the name of Jesus, I break off of you any curses you've put on yourself, any self-inflicted curses or curses by others. In the name of Jesus, I break every curse off you. In the name of Jesus, I break every curse off of you. In Jesus Christ's name, through the power of his cross, I command any and all of these spirits associated with any curses to leave you now, never to return to you. So come, Holy Spirit. And now we just, as we continue to pray, just we're going to pray a little bit more here, just continue to, again, as you pray, God's taking serious what you're saying. And as we say these words, and as we pray these prayers, pay attention to the atmosphere in this room. Pay attention to your decisions that you're making. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any spirits of envy and sadness. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any spirit of distrust or fear of rejection. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any spirits of self-pity and judgmentalism. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any spirit of self-condemnation. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the sin of backbiting and gossiping. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any sins of rudeness or idolatry. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the sin of comparing myself to others. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any sinful grudges I've held. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any spirits of blockage in my life. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any um, intentional, any ways I've been intentionally difficult. I renounce any ways. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any malicious joy in, in other people's failures. So come, Holy Spirit, come with your grace, come with your power, come with your anointing, Lord, as we pray these prayers. We ask for freedom, Lord. We ask for deliverance. We ask for healing. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of lust and perversion. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of defilement and vice. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the spirit of deception and lies. 
in the name of Jesus. I renounce the spirit of addiction and gluttony. In the name of Jesus. I renounce the spirit of sloth and fear. In the name of Jesus. I renounce the spirit of loneliness and abandonment. In the name of Jesus. I renounce the sin of adultery and fornication. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any self-worship. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the sin of sacrilegious communions. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any sins of abortion or contraception. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the sin of presumption and scandal. In the name of Jesus, I renounce any curiosity or promiscuity. So in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through his authority and power given to me as his priest's son, I break off of you any evil spirits and lies or sins you've renounced, and I command them all to leave you and go directly to the foot of the cross, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we listen now, as you pray like that, I just wanted to do that with you because that's one of the weapons is exercising your will to renounce. Because when you don't renounce, that means you're fellowshipping with it. That spirit that is behind that particular sin you struggle with or that particular capital sin or whatever it be, we're fellowshipping with these demons. And that's why we don't feel free. We're feeling um, hindered or we're feeling blocked or we're feeling this um, agreement we've made. And we've often gotten used to being with that particular sin. We all have our favorite sins. We love our certain sin more than we love God. And God wants to set us free, but he needs our permission. And when you renounce and you forgive in the name and power of Jesus, you're in the spiritual realm severing that contract you made with the enemy. And then God can freely move in our lives then. The spirit can start to move more freely. So I just want to encourage you, use that as a tool in your spiritual lives to fight against um, whatever particular sin you're struggling against. Or if you're driving down the road and you have a temptation, come on, you know, renounce that spirit. You know, discern your thoughts. What's, what am I thinking right now? Discern, renounce any lies you might hear in your mind. Renounce any spirits that you might think are behind those lies. And so you have that power by baptism, And I really want you to understand that because really at the heart of what we're doing here right now is learning about spiritual warfare, learning about who we are, our identity in Christ, and the authority we have to stand against the foe, the enemy, the ancient serpent, and the dragon, Satan, and all the enemy evil spirits that attack us all day at times. So again, just be aware of that. Now, I'm not saying that we should find the devil every, under every stone, okay? But what I am saying is acknowledge who you are 
and agree with what God says about you, not with what the enemy says about us. God says you are my child, my son, my daughter. Agree with him. Make an agreement with the Lord. That's what Jesus, that's what being in union with Christ is, is agreeing with the Father. Agreeing with Jesus is agreeing with the Father. Agreeing with the Father is agreeing with the Son. And when you and I agree with the Son, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit fellowships with my spirit. And when the Holy Spirit and my spirit commune, guess what happens? Christ is born again and again and again in every one of us. You know, you hear the scripture in John 3, what it means to be born again. That's what it means. It means to make an agreement with all your heart, to really step into it with both feet. I'm a beloved son. And that should really blow me away in a sense, like, oh my, my, and oh my God, in a good sense of the oh my God, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm a beloved son. My God and my Lord, how could this be? And he says, it's because I love you, because I'm humble, and I want you to receive my power and my authority. Do you remember that scripture where Paul and Peter, they cast out evil spirits, and then this other guy came along, and the demon just kicked his butt? And he says, the demon said, I know Peter, or I know Paul, and I know Jesus, but who are you? And he got his butt his tail beat out of him because he didn't know who he was. If you don't know who you are, the devil will be glad to tell you who you are. And if you let the devil tell you who you are, you're going to be in his camp and you're going to be always empty. And we're going to talk about, you know, one of those with the sin of gluttony tonight. It's always trying to feed an emptiness in us. It's always trying to feed ourselves with something, not just food. It could be many things. But we're trying to fill an emptiness with gluttony, okay? And lust, you know, gluttony is trying to feed oneself, whereas lust is trying to take. Lust doesn't trust that I'll receive what God is going to give me. Lust is undermining God as my father and Mary as my mother. Mary wants to help me receive God. Do you ever have a cookie? and hand it to a little kid, and they grab it, rather than, you know, it's almost like you should take the cookie away. That's when people come up to communion. That's why we don't grab Jesus. Like, like, you'll see sometimes people that really don't know how to receive the Eucharist because they have never been taught, or maybe they haven't been there in a while. They'll try to reach out and grab Jesus. Now I'm saying, you don't grab Jesus. You receive the gift. Don't you trust I'm going to give you Jesus? So why do you got to grab? I'm going to give Jesus to you. Don't grab. Don't grab the cookie. I'm not saying I'm not saying Eucharist. I'm saying the little kid, the little kid that wants his chocolate chip cookie or his Oreo, they grab at it because they think that, well, maybe I'm not gonna get it, so I gotta grab it. See, that's that taking. God didn't say, you know, to, to grab at. He said, receive. He wants us to receive. He wants us to receive him freely, okay? So let's look first at um. I'm going to look at lust first. And as we look at this capital sin of lust, um, I'd like you to read through, I'm not going to read it through tonight because it's, I don't have the time, but Romans chapter 1, uh, 125 particularly. Paul's talking there about how God has handing over people 
who prefer to worship the creatures rather than the creator. So when we start to grab at creation, particularly people, and try to take them and possess them, meaning that's mine, 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 that gimme attitude sort of a mindset, when we try to take, then what we're doing there is right, we're starting to worship the creature rather than the creator. And so we're not connected vertically. So we're starving and we're grasping horizontally. But really what we're grasping at and for is never going to fill or satisfy us. It's really a deception even in and of itself. I mean, everyone here, I would think, knows, at least objectively, maybe not personally yet, but we've all come to some level of knowledge that people let us down and will never satisfy us. And this world as we know it is passing. I mean, everybody in here as I'm talking is dying. Great thought, right? But it should be exciting if you understand what that means. It means we're, we're called to enter into eternal glory. But we're letting our lives go. As you're sitting here right now, you are letting your life go. You, you'll never get the time you, you give tonight back to you. you. The last, you know, the last 20 minutes or so, you'll never get it back. You've given it to God. And I would say, very good, well done. You've used your time well, okay? So Romans 1.25, read that. It's talking about worship the creature rather than the creator. Now, Satan always will attack what? The flesh. And there's different ways in the scriptures to understand flesh. Jesus said the spirit's willing and the flesh is weak. I'm not using that understanding of flesh. That understanding of flesh is the flesh is that part of us that is of the world, and in the world, the part of us that basically is the old self, the part of us that's unruly, that's inordinate, that doesn't have proper ordering of his or her desires. That, that's the flesh that Paul you know, can sometimes talk about. But the flesh I'm talking about tonight is the word became flesh. Flesh in the positive good sense of the word flesh. This flesh, the body, our flesh is good. It's God's gift to us. The word became flesh. So it shouldn't surprise us that Satan attacks the flesh. Because Satan can't attack God. He can't hurt God, but he can hurt us. And so he attacks God in me and in you by causing us to worship the flesh, the creature, rather than the creator, as Paul says. He gives them up to their unruly desires. And they, it says, you know, men have relations with men and women have relations with women. This whole idea of just total misordering and disordering of the purpose and intent of our bodies and our designs in God's design and plan for humanity. A total lust, whether it be man and woman or men and men and women and women, it's a total basic depravity of um, healthy expression of our bodies as temples of God as instruments of love meant to reveal the invisible God. The word wants to become flesh through me, but I have a free will and I can cooperate with the Lord and his design that he's given me or not. And that's my prerogative and God honors my free will. Okay. So in John, 1 John 4, 3, it says, he who denies Christ who comes in the flesh, and I said this last time, is the spirit of the Antichrist. 
The Antichrist is he who denies Christ in the flesh. And again, that's what the enemy wants. He doesn't want God becoming flesh. Satan hates the word becoming flesh. So he attacks humanity. He attacks us. And he attacks the flesh because the possibility of our bodies is amazing. What we can do if we cooperate with God through our bodies is actually like Mary, we can receive him and give him to the world. There, everyone in here wouldn't be here if someone didn't reveal to you God. Someone revealed God to you in different and various ways. Everybody in here has experienced God being revealed to them through someone else's body. Okay, so as we look at this, it says here, you know, Satan attacks us again through the senses. Lust is the most popular sin today. Lust is the most popular. If you can say sin is popular, you know what I'm saying. So lust is the most popular. It's the most sensual. And he's attacking us through our senses. So lust is defined as an inordinate, meaning a disordered desire and love of the pleasures of the flesh. You know, the pleasures of the flesh. A disordered desire, okay? And it's seeking unlawful pleasure. Do you ever think of pleasure having a lawfulness to it. There's a, a pleasure's meant to be, you know, in God's design, order, and plan. And it's not meant to be unlawful seeking of pleasure. And this is important again because I don't think we always understand God has a design and a plan. And we want it our way often. And this is what, again, gluttony, lust, they all basically, you know, the, the three stools, you know, that often these three sins of, of lust, Gluttony and sloth often are cooperating together. Lust, gluttony, and sloth often are working together, okay? So, generally we speak of, when we speak of lust, we think of impurity, right? We think of impurity, which is what it is. It's an impurity of the temple that God's given us. It's a misuse of our temple. And the body is very important, as I said. The body is God's gift to us to reveal him to the world, so Jesus chose to become flesh in the body, as I said. This is an amazing love. This is, this is what happens at Christmas. We are remembering this mystery of what? The incarnation at Christmas. The incarnation is what we remember at Christmas, okay? And so, as we look here, it says, Jesus says, I have need of your body. He needs our body. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, so I want you to, again, check out Hebrews 10, 5, because it says in there in Hebrews 10, 5, it says, a body you have prepared for me. A body you have prepared for me. Who's, wh what is our body's purpose? It's to reveal him, that he might, like Mary, come in our bodies and through our bodies to others. So a body you've prepared for me, okay? Now listen, this body that we've been given, we are the body of Christ through baptism, right? So we gotta give God permission and hopefully we allow again divinity and humanity to marry within us. That's what the incarnation is, is divinity and humanity marrying one another, coming together. 
That's exactly what it is, is humanity and divinity marrying one another, okay? So this is that wonder, wondrous exchange. Again, we talk about it masses, heaven and earth. Heaven, the sanctuary heaven, we here on earth. Heaven and earth kiss, the wedding of the lamb. The, God took human nature to share with us his divine nature, to empower us to reach our full potential. And the glory of God is what? St. Saint Irenaeus says, the glory of God is man fully alive. Think about that. The glory of God is man fully alive. That's you and I, fully alive. That's the glory of God. Because didn't Jesus say, I've come that you might have life, right? And have it to the full, okay? So we want to allow this. We want to give God permission to come into our flesh, okay? And this is what the incarnation is. And this is why Mary is so important with the coming against the sin of impurity and lust. Because remember, lust is the refusal to receive Mary at the foot of the cross, in a sense. That's what we're doing. When we lust, the word from the cross that Jesus gives us to come against lust is behold your mother. You know, Michael, behold your mother. Jesus wants to give us his mother. Our mother is Mary. What does Mary do? She teaches us how to receive. See, if I'm receiving the gift of God, I don't have to grasp at and take. And there's not this disordered passion and desire in me to seek unlawful pleasure. Because when you have God, you have everything. And when we receive with Mary's help, and when we say yes like she did, then we're in communion with him. And if we have intimacy with God and communion with God, we're not going to have unruly desires or cravings. At least we won't be acting on them like we would if we don't have that relationship, okay? So Hebrews 10.5, a body you've prepared for me, okay? Now, we, how many times do we, think about this, how many times do we serve our bodies? What I mean is our souls serving our body. That's not how it's supposed to go. This, the body's supposed to, to serve the soul. The soul's the higher faculty of the human person. The faculty of the human person, the soul, has an intellect, right, and a will. And that intellect and will is kind of like a teacher in a classroom of kindergarten students. All of your emotions are like little kindergarten students. And your intellect and will should use its authority to govern and guide and bring order to all the little kindergarten kids, the emotions, the passions, the desires. That's how God made us. St. Thomas Aquinas even said, you know what he said? He said, St. Thomas said that we are designed by God. For what reason? Obviously, to reveal him to the world. But how's that going to happen? We need to guide our passions and desires. So we have the intellect. Think about this. We have the intellect, the will, the memory, the imagination, and the emotions. Those are the different parts of the soul. And so I want you to think about this, the different parts of your soul. 
The intellect and will are to guide the emotions and passions. And if you just have an intellect and will without emotion in your activity, think about this. What does it become? It's kind of like a milkshake with no flavor. <laughs> that's kind of how I explain someone that's like a stoic. They, they do things, but they have no flavor. It's kind of like just a monotone life. Emotions are meant to give zest, flavor, give, give color to our humanity. Make it beautiful, like flowers with different colors. The emotions are beautiful gifts from God. But they need to be guided with the intellect and the will, okay? Now, memory deals with what? The past. Imagination deals with the future. So your memory and imagination and then your emotions all should be guided by your intellect, your thinking, your reasoning, and your will, which is your choosing. So let's say, obviously you could see how, let's say I see a, uh, a piece of pizza and I had let's say already two or three pieces of pizza and others haven't eaten yet. Well, my memory, you know, might kick in and start, you know, um, just reminding me because I've tasted pizza in the past. I know it's good, right? So it's going to elicit some desire. And then my imagination would be like, man, I'd be thinking about already chewing on that piece of pizza already, right? And so you could see how that will even strengthen my desire and then what? My mind, though, informed with truth and faith and love, should tell those desires, no, you can't have that. So I choose, if I choose to be a follower of Christ and let Christ reveal himself in that moment, I'm going to choose to deny myself to not give in to a form of gluttony and die upon the cross with Christ to parts of me that would love to have that pizza, but I'm denying myself, I'm taking up my cross for the greater good. And see, again, practically speaking, a lot of us might be like, okay, that's great, you know, nice, you did a good deed, great, you lived a little virtuous life. Wonderful, Father Michael, you did good. But it's bigger than that, guys you got to understand that little denial of that piece of pizza will affect souls all over the globe because it's not me who lives. It's I'm letting Christ live in that moment through me. And because it's Jesus in me and not me, I'm participating in Christ's life because it's Christ I'm letting live through me at that moment. And it's for the love of God I'm doing this. Then that means Christ who is infinitely meritorious can win salvation for souls through that simple self-denial. And again, we, we don't think like this. And, I, and, I, and I, it's unfortunate that we kind of just limit our life to just a very shallow way of living. And we wonder why life's so boring. It's boring because we're not living in the full awareness of our identity as baptized sons and daughters of God. We're not living in that full glory of like, wow, this is amazing. I can bring God to others. And when we die, we're going to wish so badly that we were more aware of this. 
And that's why I want to impress this upon you so deeply is please understand that you and I have so much authority and power in Christ to save so many souls from the devil's hands when we let Christ become flesh and live through us, which is why the devil, again, tempts us with lust because he doesn't want us going to that place where Christ can be born again through us. So we can get backwards and we can become slaves to our bodies rather than serving our bodies, serving our souls, and namely serving the Lord, always, obviously. Now, the gift of our sexuality being perverted and twisted in so many ways today. You know, violations against the sixth commandment, right? That, that you shall not commit adultery. Under that, if you go to the catechism of the Catholic Church, it has a phenomenal, un, it's like unzipping this major file and you see all the ways you violate each of the commandments. It's, it's a powerful, when I came back or when I was really getting involved in the church in, in a deeper and stronger way in college, I did the 10 commandments in the catechism and it was you'll have a ton of things to confess. That's all I could say. <laughs> so fornication, incest, rape, masturbation, birth control, sterilization, abortion, these are some of the major offenses against the sixth commandment. And so, and obviously in there would be pornography, which is a tremendous um, issue today in our, in our world. These are all violations against the sixth commandment that desecrate the body of Christ. Remember whose bodies this is. This is you, a body you've prepared for me. That's what Hebrews, Hebrews 10.5 says, a body you prepared for me. Whose body is this? It's Jesus's. It's his body. You are his body. Don't let the devil rob you of that truth. It's in the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm not the body of Christ. We got used to believing these lies. The enemy just plays those tapes over and over in our heads. And we don't even know who we are. And he's like telling us this, telling us that. And we're empty. And we're running here, running there. Again, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? So, you know, I, I read this a while back, but this was like probably six years ago or more, or five or six years. But it said one in every 14 girls had an STD. Think about that. That was years ago. I mean, I'm sure it's sadly worse now. One in every 14 girls had an STD. Okay? Why? Because it's always about the misuse, and, and it goes the same for the guys, but it's the misuse and abuse of his temple, his body. His body's designed for love. And love is not like the world defines love. And you see how clever Satan is? He redefines terms. And then our children learn the things. He, our children think love is something that it's not, that marriage is something that it's not. That what's the big deal? You know, what's the problem? Why is this wrong? See, there's, that's darkness. When, when the devil can convince us that the way the world defines love is love, then we are in darkness. That means we are blind. We can't see. That's why we need this crucifix up here to remind us every time we're in this church, that's real love. Sacrifice and love go together. Commitment and love go together. Denying oneself is love. 
Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And often when we love or when we're called to love, you don't feel anything. It's painful. It's challenging. It is a crucifixion of our selfishness to truly love. And so think about that. Think about that. So impurity blinds our minds, darkens the intellect, and weakens the will. Lust darkens the mind and weakens the will. Why? Because we're worshiping the flesh. It's kind of paradoxical. Like one of the greatest gifts we have is our body. But when we worship our bodies, it blinds us. Because the body's not a god. And there's more fitness clubs than retreat centers. Yes or yes, you know. There's more fitness centers and health craze than there is retreat centers. So there's this emphasis on the body, on health, on athletics, on working out. And isn't it interesting? The closest thing to God on earth is our, 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 we're made in his image and likeness. So isn't it interesting that when people eliminate God from their lives, when we start to forget about God, what's the next thing closest to God that we worship? Ourselves. Because I'm an image of him but I'm missing a huge step in worshiping myself or my own body, okay? There's nothing wrong with health. There's nothing wrong with eating right and doing these things. But when God's left out of the picture, we start to worship those things, namely our bodies. And it leads only to, again, hardness of heart, perversion of our wills. We start to seek pleasures that are unruly and unlawful. Um, And we start to make this a way of life. See, there's a difference between living in sin and fighting against sin. When you live in sin, you're agreeing with the lifestyle that is sinful and you claim your own moral, you know, you're your own moral arbiter, meaning you decide what's right and wrong for you. You're relative. You're a relativistic person. You, you decide your own moral compass. If that's north for me, great. You can say that's north, but that's north for me. That's south for me. You can say whatever you want. You're God for yourself. Okay, so we start to harden our hearts. We're no longer open. We're, our, our intellect's darkened, our will's weakened, and the flesh is calling all the shots. Everything in my life, It's just, my my body, my flesh just calls the shots. My soul is too weak. I'm just, I had this image once in prayer of, you know, when when we live in lust or in gluttony or in any of these sins, it's kind of like, you know, if you fall off a horse and your your foot gets caught in a stirrup and you're just getting, your soul's just getting dragged around all over the place, beat up all over the place, wounded, broken. And your body's just like that horse running all over just madly like a wild horse. And there's no self-control, no self-mastery. And it's really an empty life where we jump from drug to drug to drug to drug to drug. Whatever your drug of choice is. It might be food. It might be sex. It might be money. It might be shopping. We just we, we hop. And it's really a form of prostitution. You know, when you look at, when you look at the uh, Old Testament, God accused Israel of 
being a prostitute many times. Why? Not because it was always a physical thing, but what was it? She was choosing false gods, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Israel was running after all these false gods. And God kind of let her just go, let Israel go, as he will with us, because he can't violate our free will. He respects our freedom. And you could see here the urgency and the need of proclaiming the gospel that we pray for people that are living in sin, not even struggling against it. They've just thrown the towel in. They say, like, oh, this is this the way. It's kind of like, you know, there's a lot of danger in that because you don't want to die in that state. Because if you die in that state, you're choosing yourself as your savior. And you can't save yourself from death. So you die choosing to separate yourself from God, which is, again, a dangerous thing. That's why we need to pray and fast and do extra spiritual exercises for people that are really in that darkness. And we're all in it to some degree, but there is a big difference. You wouldn't be here tonight if you weren't engaging in the spiritual battle at some level. Unless someone drug you here. (laughs) Praise God, that's what I say. We should drag more people here, right? Yeah. So this hardness of heart can lead to insincere confessions at times. And I've even seen this in my life. You know, where we get in the habit of just saying a sins, but we're really not sorry. We're not willing to take the steps necessary to overcome that sin. We're just kind of confessing them because that's a religious thing to do. It's just going through the motions in confession. Which someone that, like, like yourselves, maybe someone that regularly goes to confession, you could see how we can become very much just habitually confessing, but never really taking necessary steps to fight against that particular sin, okay? St. Paul says, listen, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, St. Paul says, or Hebrews says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. (laughs) Look at that. He shed his blood. He would rather die than sin. That's what Jesus did. He died rather than sinned. So we need strength, courage, fortitude. We need fortitude to overcome. Okay? We need fortitude and fear of the Lord. So the gift of the Spirit that comes against lust is fear of the Lord. Because what is fear of the Lord? It's the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? Surrendering to God, not to my own self. I surrender to God because God can save me. I can't save myself. I can only let God save me and heal me and deliver me, right? So the gift of fortitude is courage to stay on the cross and not to grab the piece of pizza or choose my own unlawful pleasure or desire that's going to lead me into sin. No, I choose to stay in communion with Jesus on the cross. It takes courage, doesn't it? Because if I don't take that pizza, what's going to happen to me? Or if I don't choose this entertainment, or if I don't lust after this or lust after that, or feed myself with something, what's going to happen? See, it's, it's a fear that God's not going to provide for me. God's not going to come through. So we, we, we take, we grasp, we feed ourselves with this empty calories. 
Think of gluttony as just empty calories. You're just throwing in stuff to fill something that's really not, it has nothing to do with your physical hunger. Gluttony has nothing to do with physical hunger. It has everything to do with what? It's a spiritual starving. You're starving for intimacy and you're trying to, you're, you're trying to solve a spiritual hunger with physical food. That's what gluttony is. You're trying to solve or satiate a, 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 a spiritual hunger to satisfy yourself spiritually with potato chips or television or Amazon or whatever you buy stuff or whatever you try to fill yourself with that stuff. We all do it in different ways, right? But stay up on the cross. Jesus, give me fortitude. And he will. He will. And fear of the Lord, what? I fear God. What does that mean when you have fear of the Lord operating in you? Think of it like this. Here's how I explain fear of the Lord. If you had a little baby in your arms, you're careful where you walk. You're careful not to drop or hurt the baby because you want to hold on to that baby and protect that baby. Fear of the Lord is God's in me. I don't want any sin hurting the baby Jesus in me. That's fear of the Lord. I want to protect baby Jesus who's living in my body. I don't, I don't want anything, because sin is poisoning the baby Jesus. It's killing God's life in me. And if I understand fear of the Lord, God's going to give me fear of the Lord, it's going to do what? It's going to help me to protect and keep God first in my life. I'm going to choose God over those chips or those pizza or that shopping spree or whatever it is that I'm trying to take and grab and fill myself with, okay? So fear of the Lord comes against lust. And the cat, again, the word from the cross for lust is behold your mother. Behold your mother. What did Mary do? She feared the Lord. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She held him within her. She protected him within her. She gave her whole life for him. Everything Mary had was for him. Okay? Now think about that. She feared the Lord. She put God first. That's, that's why she's often called, you know, Lady Wisdom. She's the seed of wisdom, Mother Mary. She's wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is surrendering, saying yes to God, not to pizza or chips or shopping or whatever it is that we all do. It's not saying yes to even me. I don't worship my body. My body is designed with a mission. And this is something I wanted to share briefly is every man in here has a body, and in our bodies as men, is a mission. Every man's body in your body is stamped a mission. And in every woman's body is stamped a mission. John Paul II, right, in his theology of the body. What is theology? Study of God through the human body. The human body is designed to reveal God through the beauty and complementarity of the sexes. Male and female, he made them complementary in so many different and various ways for the purpose of revealing the Trinity on earth through the body. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're Satan and you knew that the human body was designed to reveal the Trinity on earth, where would you, name, where would you aim all of your arrows and darts? At the body, 
sexuality. Twist it, pervert it, distort it. Because in distorting and perverting and twisting sexuality, what are you doing? Destroying marriage. You destroy marriage, what are you doing? Destroying the family. You destroy the family, what are you doing? Destroying the world. So if there's a problem in our world, you know where that stems from? The family. If there's a problem in the family, you know where that comes from? Marriage. And if there's a problem in marriage, you know where that comes from? A misunderstanding of what it means to be male and female. Right at the heart of how this world turns, economically, socially, politically, is how men relate to women and how women relate to men. That's how this world works. And if Satan can twist what it means to be a man and twist what it means to be a woman, he can destroy marriage, and then he can destroy the family, and then he can destroy the world. He hates us. He hates your body. He can't stand your body. He wants to destroy everyone. That's why abortion at the heart is the ripping apart of a little baby's body. Who's behind that? Not God. Why would God create a life and rip it apart? Satan hates the woman particularly because it's the woman's body that receives life and love and gives life and love. And if Satan can turn the woman against her own mission, the woman's body stamped with the mission of bringing more baby Jesuses into the world through every man and woman that's born. You bring Jesus to me and I bring Jesus to you. Every baby born is called to bring Jesus into the world again and again and again and again. And if you're the enemy and you know this is happening, remember Lucifer, angel of light, he's not stupid, he's, he's an angel. He's far smarter than any of us in this church by light years away, okay? Point is this, he knows that if he can twist and distort the beauty and essence and the heart of our sexuality, then he's gonna destroy marriage and the family and the world. I mean, really, it, it's, it's how it works. And you and I have to have the eyes and mind and heart to see all this and to see his tactics at work in our world today. We are, we are under severe attack. You know, this is the 100-year anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima. And, and I brought, um, many of you might have read this little book. But listen to this. This is Our Lady's messages. I just want to read a few of them since we're talking about um, lust here. Mary said, certain fashions will be introduced that will offend our Lord very much. Certain fashions, what, what we wear, will offend our Lord very much because our body's holy, okay? It's meant to be covered. It's meant to be holy. It's sacred. It's not meant to just, you know, hang out here and there and everywhere. It's meant to be sacred. Think of the woman's body. She's to veil her body. She's developed body. The woman's body is like a church. It's holy. It's sacred. Okay? Every man's called to treat every woman like the church. Every man's the church. Every woman, or every man's Christ. Every woman's the church. Jesus and the church became one. The bridegroom and the church is the bride. How does every man called to treat every woman? There's this thing for, for all of you to think about this. Um, once a month, you can sign up for it online. It's called E5 Men. E5 Men, meaning Ephesians chapter 5, Men. 
And it's a, and women can do it as well. I, I, I just started it myself a while back. But once a month, all the men that are belonging to this E5 men fast and pray once a month for every woman they meet. Spouses, coworkers, family members, friends. Every woman, once a month, all these men are praying and fasting for these women. That's what it means to be a man. To pray and fast for women. And for women to pray and fast for men. That we can glorify God, not ourselves. That we cannot disgrace and desecrate this beautiful temple, but that we could honor God by honoring our bodies and giving him glory and honor and praise. Okay? Listen, certain fashions will be introduced. That will offend our Lord. She says, many marriages are not good. They do not please our Lord and are not of God. There are people that get married today that don't even discern it. Just meet somebody here and there. And I'm not saying every marriage, some marriages work that way, great. But there are marriages at times where people, they're not asking God at all, are we called to get married, God? There's not even a mention of God. So people end up marrying people that probably God will work with us when we make our mistakes, but it's going to be a lot more challenging to live that out than if we do God's will. Priests, Mary says, priests must be pure, very pure. They should not busy themselves with anything except what concerns the church and souls. The disobedience of priests to their superiors and the Holy Father is very displeasing to our Lord. The Blessed Mother can no longer restrain the hand of her divine son from striking the world with just punishment for its crimes. So these are obviously warnings from Our Lady. Um, Many of you maybe have heard some of those in Fatima. Man, this stuff just... Just a lot of stuff you can talk about. Time flies. Okay, so... We have a mission stamped in our bodies, as I said. Now... The mind, impurity, lust, really can kick off right here in the head, in the mind, right? We're not paying attention to our thoughts. Because when you have a feeling or a thought, you can't control your first thought or your first feeling or first desire or emotion. Those things are just, they they just happen. You suffer them, if you will. They they come. But what you do with them is important, right? I mean, what we do with what we experience is, is pretty important, okay? Okay, so lust can be nurtured often through idleness, having an idle, just an idle, idle life. Um, and idleness, as we know, is often said as the devil's workshop, right, when you're idle. Excessive attachment to ease or comfort. When we're excessively attached to ease and comfort, that's kind of like that idleness. Excessive eating, excessive drinking, Lust is nurtured through watching, obviously, scandalous movies, TV shows, um, pornography, as I said. And we need to ask God, Lord, cleanse me. Ask him, Jesus, cleanse this temple. Remember when Jesus went in the temple with his whip and just drove everything out of the temple? We need him to come into this temple and throw everything out of us that's keeping us from being a true temple of worship to his glory, honor, and praise. Okay, so we need to ask the Lord to convict us. So uh, the priest every day when we pray the gospel, we always say the words, Almighty God, cleanse my heart and my lips that I may proclaim, worthily proclaim your gospel. Cleanse my heart and my lips 
that I might worthily proclaim your gospel. So it's kind of like we should all pray every day, stop me, Lord, cleanse me and stop me if I'm saying anything Jesus wouldn't say. You know, would Jesus speak that joke? Stop me if I'm saying anything out of habit that I'm not even aware of that Mary, the, the blessed mother, wouldn't say that, so I'm not gonna say that. Again, it goes back to fear the Lord. I love the Lord more than I don't wanna sin. Convict me, God, right? So this is why we gotta, sometimes we, when our mind starts wandering and daydreaming, we can kind of be like lured off and led into places that are dangerous or harmful, okay? And remember the scripture, Proverbs 20, uh, 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29, 18, listen, it says, my people perish for lack of vision. If you don't know what it means to be a man and a woman, obviously marriage and family in our world are gonna be out of whack because it goes back to, again, the heart of being a man and a woman. And again, why Satan's striking at us with lust to get us distorted and basically out to lunch with our mission in life, which is to reveal God in the world. Okay, our hearts. Remember when Jesus says, where your treasure is, there also is your heart? Okay, God needs to purify our hearts. So what is your treasure? Think about that. What do you treasure? We all say, oh, the right answer is Jesus, God. We all know the right answer. But in honesty, when you look at your behaviors or your actions, how you spend your money, where you do with your free time, where's your treasure, okay? I always say, just look at your checkbook. Where's your treasure? What are you holding on to? What feeds you in life? What feeds you? What's, what, do you, you what do you run to that feeds you? Like, what are those little things that you don't want anyone else to know <laughs> that feeds you, okay? What is your attachment so again, what do you attach to that is keeping you from that freedom that God wants to give you? Because again, lust is, I'm, what I mentioned that is because we grab at things. We substitute God for these things. We lust after power, honor, fame, money, pleasure. Lust is not just after the sexual area. It's more about, it can be about power. I can lust after success. I want people to recognize me. That's a, lusting after recognition. We can lust after all kind of things, okay? So it's not just the area of our, of our sexuality in the broad sense, I guess you could say it is, but not just in the, the sexual, physical sense always. Um, love that purifies our hearts is true love. So God's love, again, the cross, will purify our hearts, okay? Will purify us. And the more, the more we reach out to others and give his love, the more that we'll be free, the more that we'll be who we truly are. Now, you have to receive love to give love. If you don't receive love, you're going to be t always taking, right? Grasping and taking from others, okay? And then with our eyes, I'd like you to think about this. Um, you know, with our eyes, right? Lust, obviously, with the eyes. Um, our eyes can be occasions of sin, Curiosity is not a virtue, okay? Curiosity is not a virtue, okay? It's not a virtue, and it can lead to a lot of, obviously, problems and purity, especially on the internet, right? Temptations with curiosity going to sites you shouldn't or, you know, how those things pop up and you lead, one leads to another and you're in the wrong place you should be. 
Um, so the eyes are the window of the soul. We always hear that. So what does that mean? Satan can enter our souls through our eyes, just as God can enter our souls through our eyes. FaceTime with Jesus lets Jesus enter my soul. FaceTime with whatever that particular idol or thing I'm worshiping, you know, porn, it could be food. Well, the devil can enter my soul through that because our eyes, okay? Now, again, off-color jokes, music. Music is very powerful. Music, I don't know if people know this, but you know, music has spirits attached to it. There is music written. There's music written to actually conjure and cause people to be in more deep relation with the enemy. Just as there's music written for us to draw more to God. Look at people that converted that were in the music industry that have had major conversions. All of them will tell you at some degree or another, they even at times will have their music consecrated to Satan or witches. They consecrate their music to the devil. I mean, that's, that's not like anything that not known, but that's important to understand. When you're listening to music that's vulgar and has a message that is dark, guess where you're streaming? You're streaming your soul with negative energy, with that Satan, basically. There's a lot of darkness there. The evil spirit's gonna move um, and, and, and confuse us, and it's toxic, okay? So again, yeah, but I like that music. Fear the Lord. If you like, the, you like your music more than God, there's all kind of great music, Christian music with great messages out there today that you can help you to grow in, okay? Our tongue can be obviously a way of impurity, um, just the way we speak or curse, etc. cetera. Um, in particular, friendships. I always tell people, be careful with, you know, like when I was in a religious community for a while, you know, you gotta be careful with particular friendships. You know, obviously spouses shouldn't be hanging out with people that in, in, in ways they shouldn't with, with someone of the opposite sex. Um, there shouldn't be excessive familiarity in that area. And again, lust can happen. People often, you know, think this happens. Men can be more physical in committing sins of adultery, but women can commit adultery more through emotional adultery. You can emotionally commit adultery if you're getting excessively overly familiar with someone that you shouldn't be. And it's not, again, protecting and honoring your, your marriage covenant that you made, okay? So again, uh, these are uh, just some areas to, to think about as you're reflecting. And, and all of these uh, uh, examinations of conscience, they're all on the website. I just put them on the website, all the examinations for all the different capital sins. At least these two are on there now with all the others that I did so far. And then there's also helpful hints in how to overcome these as you look at that. Um, so in our spiritual life, just briefly, in our spiritual life, lust, lust can affect our spiritual life. And what do I mean by that? And it's kind of the same with gluttony, so I'm gonna hit these kind of together in this way. So when you experience God, there's often a sweetness through that. And you've all probably heard this term, but you can start to go to prayer to get something. 
You're not there to love God. You're there to get something. Okay? So you love the consolation of God, but you don't love the God of consolation. So as long as God's given me things, it's like a pop machine. I put a quarter in, I get a soda. Yeah, God, I love God, I love God. God stops putting out sodas, it's like, I'm not going to pray, and there's nothing there for me. See, that's sad because you, at that moment, are being invited by God to a deeper maturity in the spiritual life and intimacy, but we check out because we're not being given warm fuzzies anymore. We're not feeling those consolations anymore. We're being brought to a higher level of love, but we're not willing to go. Same thing in a marriage, right? Once that period of you know, disillusionment, romance, and that kind of like can fade a little here and there, ebb and flow, it's, it's tempting to just kind of like not spend much time together, or just kind of you do your thing, I do mine. But it's deeper. God's calling us deeper, okay? And Jesus wants profound love with us. And I, I think sometimes we forget about this, but Jesus is a passionate God. God is passionate. He loves us. It's called the passion of Christ. I mean, you have to be crazy in love with someone to go through that. If any of you have seen that, right, the passion of Christ. And think what he says at every mass to solve our disordered cravings. This is my body given for you. He's given us his body. God's feeding us with his body. Very deep, profound intimacy between our souls and almighty God. He's communing with our bodies. Okay? And so we ask the Lord again for these graces today of fortitude, um, fear of the Lord, that we might keep him present with us. And don't fight the surgeon. You know, when you're in prayer and Jesus wants to do deep surgery and get rid of your self-love in the wrong sense of self-love, we have to love ourselves in a healthy way, but there's an unholy self-love where it's, I only do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, where I want to do it. I pray when I want to pray. What if God wants me to pray when he wants me to pray? Did you ever even ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And I I thought about that the other day. I was talking to my brother. I'm like, you know, I need to stop more and just ask God, okay, Lord, this is my schedule today, but is there anything that you want me to do that I don't have scheduled? Maybe he wants me to do something that I didn't think about or plan. Again, that personal relationship, seeking counsel from the Holy Spirit, from the Lord, okay? So God is not afraid of intimacy. He's a God as an intimate God, and he's passionate for each of us. And we're called to bring the intimacy of God to others through our bodies to reveal God in and through our male and female bodies to say yes to him. And like Mary, to surrender to him. So when he goes, when he's doing these deep surgeries and he's rooting out of us these things of um, self-love, I'd ask you just again, call on the name of the Lord. Call on that Mary. Behold your mother. Sit, sit with Mary. Just be with our lady. Behold her. Go, go, to, go to her in prayer. Go to Mary in prayer. And behold her beauty, her immaculate, sinless heart. And she's there for all of us when we're tempted to leave prayer, to leave and not let the Lord purify us. And you think of how patient God is with us. We are very unconscious of how self-focused we can be and self-centered we can be. And God's so patient with us. He doesn't give up. 
But he wants us to get this. And this is the message, if anything, we guys, if we could evangelize the world in one way, this is one of the greatest ways we can evangelize the world, is deny ourselves, not be afraid to sacrifice. Don't be afraid to die, to be up on that cross with him and give yourself to others in love, pure, true, authentic love. The world doesn't understand that. And people that are sucked into the world they look at that, and they're going to want that. Remember John Paul wrote the encyclical that's called The Splendor of Truth? When you enflesh the truth about love, people are attracted to it. They want it. But we need to enflesh it as, you know, live it out, be examples of, of that. So we, we ask Our Lady. She's such a powerful intercessor against this um, to give us again that holy chastity, that purity of life um, that can help us to see God. Now, when we look at, um, let me find it here. When we're talking about, uh, you know, as I've been saying, some of these things on gluttony is just a few practical things maybe to give you some thoughts on that here. Um, Thomas says gluttony is just an inordinate desire in eating or drinking more than necessary, okay? Key words. So a gluttonous person would be excessive in what, when, how, and how much he or she eats or drinks. Taking more than necessary. Eating and drinking at the wrong times can be gluttony. It's not time to eat. It's not meal time. That's the unredeemed self, the, the old self, you know, going to the fridge when we really aren't even hungry, okay? Demanding perfectly prepared foods. <laughs> and someone gets tremendously overreactive when their food isn't given to them the way they want it at their restaurant. Or they get all so angry Okay, that's gluttony. That's an overly excessive attachment, demanding, controlling, um, a rude. There's a rudeness that comes over people that are in that place, right? Maybe someone, gluttonous, there's an overly emphasis on, you know, ex more expensive foods or wines or they're complaining always about the food placed in front of them, okay? So it's not just overeating, okay? It's not sharing. Remember Lazarus and the rich man? Lazarus, or the rich man didn't share with Lazarus. And he was seriously punished for that, obviously. So gluttony can be not only excessive eating and drinking, but not sharing with those who have not. Okay? And there's a difference between diet and fasting. Diet is about me. Fasting's about God. If you're going to not eat, don't waste your time doing a diet. Do it for the Lord. I mean, think about it. Both are disciplines. Fasting and dieting are both disciplines. But the motives are very different, aren't they? The motives of dieting is usually for myself, while fasting, as I said, is for God. And the motive makes all the difference in the world. It goes back to our attitude and who we're doing things for, ourselves or for God. 
And again, there's an excessive concern, as I said, with our bodies. And usually we're trying to fill ourselves because there's an emptiness. Maybe we're depressed, anxious, stressed out, frustrated, lonely. We're, we're trying to fill a spiritual void with a physical food or drink, okay? It's a displacement of, of what we're doing. Um, Okay, so think about this. When you fast, I don't know, you guys know this probably, but science even says when you fast, your body starts to release the toxins, get rid of toxins. So when you and I fast, we're actually detoxifying the body of Christ, the church. So let's say I'm fasting. Let's say I fast a day or two or so. It's not just I'm doing this because I love God. I'm doing this because my mission, my mission is Jesus' mission. What's Jesus' mission? Take away sin. How do I let Jesus in me take away sin? Take up his cross and follow him. And how might I do that? Well, giving up something that I might want, fasting for a day or two. And when I do that, what am I doing? Healing the body of Christ, detoxifying members of the body of Christ. See, I can detoxify you from sin when I fast, and you can detoxify me from sin when you fast. We're one body. We're all one body. And so fasting, you know, and this is why I always tell people, intercession, when you pray for others, fast for others, do your holy hour for others, come to mass for someone else, it's really healthy for you. You know why? Because your focus is not on you know, even when we receive communion, we can be gluttonous or even lustful in some sense of, we're always thinking about, what am I gonna get out of communion? Jesus, I need this, Jesus, I need this, Jesus, I need this. But we're never there really. Jesus is like, I'm not enough, I guess. I'm in you, I'm with you. He knows we need things. But we should be, my Lord and my God, you're with me, you're in me. Don't just go through your litany then of what you need, but be with him. And you be with him and he wants to be with you. Okay, so gratitude, right? Always gratitude is helpful, okay? And so when you fast, you also, after you fast for a number of days, I don't know if you've ever experienced, but you actually get more energy. So when I fast, I can give more energy and strength to the body of Christ, the church. Fasting has tremendous power to deliver us from evil. Jesus said in Mark 9, this kind does not leave but by fasting and prayer. This kind, meaning evil spirits. When you fast, you're gonna find, a, you're like armed. You feel like empowered. You're the Holy Spirit. You have clarity. There's something the Holy Spirit just, like, just comes upon us because again, we're emptying ourselves of um, overly focusing on our, our, ourselves and our flesh, okay? So I'd like you to make a distinction too between hunger and cravings. When you're hungry, that's different. You need to eat when you're hungry. But when you're craving things and you obey those cravings, again, there's gluttony there. There's even lusting and grabbing after, okay? So when you're craving something, you know, it doesn't hurt to, as you know, make some substitutes, you know, eat, eat a fruit or eat a, eat, eating the right foods is a form of fasting, which I think, that's why I did this, uh, the 21-day detox I finished um, and I know my brother's been working with a few people in the back that they go through it around six, they meet and go through it. But that detox taught me a lot about just eating the right foods. And when you fast, listen, if you're gonna fast well, you need to eat well. What do I mean? Nutrient-dense foods. If you fast on Wonder Bread, you're dead meat. 
You can't fast on Wonder Bread. Like, when you go to Europe and you see the bread they eat, and you know, like Medjugorje and all these places that have fasting, and you know, they encourage it, their bread's a lot more hearty than Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread is no nutritional value, basically, okay? So when you fast, maybe for some of you, fasting might be, um, like when I fast, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll drink a nice shake, maybe once or even twice a day, and have a small salad. And I still have cravings, because I miss my potato chips, my pretzels, my pizza, my wings, and all these things, you know, we like to eat. But that's because it's the cravings, I'm, I'm saying no to those cravings. And it's, it's making my will stronger and my mind clearer. And my soul's beginning to now lead my body, and it's not my body leading my soul. That means I'm going to be a better instrument in God's kingdom, a better missionary to bring Christ into the world, Okay. So fasting really cuts through our self-love and self-centeredness and really gets us off of ourselves because no one's supposed to know. I'm telling you to teach you. (laughs) No one's really supposed to know. He says, when you fast, don't let your left hand know what your right's doing. Comb your hair, wipe your face, and smile and just go around, you know. You're not supposed to like, hey, everybody, I fasted. I did this, I did this. Hey, I did it on Facebook Live. I fasted, everyone. You know, it's like, all right. Jesus says, you already got your reward, man. It's like, dang it. Praise God, right? So fasting's meant, some people, listen, for, for you, fasting might be this. This is, I thought, was a great idea. Planning your meals, preparing your meals, and eating properly. That can be a form of fasting. Planning your meals, eating properly, and eating when you're supposed to eat, and not just, you know, whenever you want. Don't let your body tell you what to do. And this is one thing, I was reading a saint, and this saint said, listen, when you fast, you're not going to fast for eternity. Tell your body, hey, you can give this up for a day. If your body can't give it up for a day, then you got to look at, all right, right, Lord, I need your help. I'm addicted to this. I need to let go of this. Tell your body, just like you tell a kid, hey, you could sit here for an hour. You're not going to die. I mean, chill out, relax. This body can survive for a good while without any food or water. So we pamper ourselves too much. Tell your body, give your body direction. Just like if I didn't tell the, if there was, if you were all kindergarten kids, it would not be this orderly. I mean, I'd have to be running back there and running over there and you'd be all crazy, right? But you have to address the student's to bring order to the classroom. My intellect and will got to tell my body, no, you can't eat that now. Like it or not. And you got to be firm with yourself because Satan's like, ah, it's only, a, it's only just a little bit. Don't worry about it. See, he's not going to like throw in the big, you know, temptation. He's going to lure you in slowly. So you got to be sober. Remember, sober and alert. The devil prowls about like a roaring lion. He doesn't want you to be a saint. He doesn't want you to be holy. He doesn't want you living as a missionary in this planet, on this planet. He wants you being in the world and of the world. He doesn't want you being in the world and of the kingdom of God. He wants you to be in the world and of the world. He wants you to be in darkness. He wants you to go along with the crowd. 
You know, everyone's jumping. Why don't we jump too, you know? No, we have to be informed with our faith in the Holy Spirit. This is what Romans chapter 8 is, life in the Holy Spirit. Live life in the Holy Spirit, okay? Okay, so now when you're hungry, spiritually hungry or thirsty, if you don't have spiritual hunger or thirst, just like when your body loses its appetite, there's, a, there's something wrong. You're not healthy. There's, there's, you know, when someone's really sick, they're not hungry, right? Same thing with our spirits. If you're not hungry for mass, you know, I don't know about you guys. Before I was a priest and I started going to mass more in college and then I started going like a few times a week, then I started going regularly every day. I miss mass for one or two days. I kid you not, I feel it. I know I miss the mass. I miss the Eucharist. I crave the blessed sacrament. I, I need his body and blood. I need it. I crave it. And I think sometimes because we're filling ourselves with all these false things, empty calories, we never allow ourselves to come to Mass, start tasting and seeing and being filled with Him. Come to daily Mass if you can, or go at least a few times a week. And what you're going to find is you're not going to be needing to crave and grab and fill all these voids and have this and that going on because you don't need it anymore, okay? And one of the uh, saints here, let me find it here. It was really cool. It says, um, it says here, uh, um, where's it at here? But he was talking about, I think it was uh, a desert. No, that wasn't it. St. Augustine, he says here, But it was basically saying, you know, you got to replace, if you're going to give up something, you need to replace it with something else. You leave an empty void there. That's why when we, when we renounce the evil and the lies, we got to fill ourselves with the Lord and with truth. So if you're going to give up things, you need to receive the Lord in the Eucharist. You need to receive grace. You need to be filled up, okay, to overflowing in his, in his presence and his love. Okay, so... Again, fasting correctly means you're eating correctly, um, more nutrient-dense foods that are going to help you. Now, just real quick, spiritual gluttony, um, it kind of sounds, you know, oxymoron, doesn't it? Spiritual gluttony. Okay, spiritual gluttony, often people who can go into prayer only for what they can get out of it, as I was sharing a little earlier, and Satan is watching, he's watching because what he wants to do is get us to be people that only focus on the spiritual high. If you're only looking for that spiritual high, the devil's going to come in and you know what he's going to do? He's going to thwart and block your spiritual maturity and growth. Please don't be afraid to suffer the silence of adoration. If you can sit in that chapel and just be silent in adoration, you're going to find so much growth and healing and, and, and purification. And you're going to be so filled. And you might not feel anything in that hour, but I guarantee you this, and many of you could probably witness better than I on this, but you will be filled when you go to adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. The Lord will fill you to overflowing. And it's not always a feeling. It's not always a consolation even. It's just a knowing that he's with me. Have you ever, like if I turned off all the lights and it was dark in here, just because I can't see you 
or touch you doesn't mean I don't know you're here. Have you ever been in the dark and you know someone's in the room with you? It's the same thing in prayer. When you're in darkness, meaning there's nothing going on in your prayer, you know he's there. You can sense him there. You can't feel him. You might not touch him, but he's there. That's why it's kind of nice sometimes to turn all the lights out when you pray because he's there with you. You're not alone, never alone, never alone, okay? So see if I have any more little quick shots at you here and then we'll say closing prayer. Okay, the, again, the, the remedy, um, the Holy Spirit gift is fortitude because you need that courage to, what, to die, to stay on the cross, to let go of the gluttony, the greed, the sloth, the pride. Let it go. That means you're gonna live Jesus. That means you're gonna die to selfishness, okay? Courage to let go. Take that step. You need, you need fortitude to take the step to tell your body, no, you're not gonna eat this today. You need the courage, you need the fortitude to do that, okay? And now, the word from the cross for gluttony is, I thirst. Jesus is saying to you and I, I thirst. He's not thirsty for water. He's thirsting for you and I, your love for him. We can quench his thirst by loving him. And we thirst too, but often we short-circuit Jesus' thirst in us with worldly food and drink. And the Lord's like, if you would just let me thirst through you, you would become healthier. And I would give you the Father's love. But you gotta trust me, children. I will give you the gift of the Father's love. But you need to wait and receive it. Don't grasp and take and don't live in fear, okay? So to close, uh, again, just... uh, a quick summary of these two real quick. Um, gluttony, listen, gluttony is the fear of mortification, fear of the cross, fear of decreasing. It's a fear of putting my false self to death, not my true self, but my, not my best self. That, that would be the Jesus in me. We definitely need the gift of fortitude to fight this sin because it's a tremendous struggle. We saw Jesus struggling with the Father's will in this regard in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a costly struggle to put something to death. It might be so tiny that no one ever knows about it, but it can be costly. We do this so that we can enter into God's thirst for souls. Are you thirsting for souls? His thirst for love. Do you thirst for his love? Which means everything to you, God, so that his redemption is not in vain. I thirst. And then that was gluttony. And then I'm just going to read you real quick. Um, lust. Lust is rooted in the fear of being a child. It's the fear of being little because in being little we go through the conversion process and become pure like children. This is why the third word from the cross is the key. Behold your mother. If we are not little children, we do not really need a mother. Children need a mother. When we are close to Mary and consecrated to her, she will get us those graces to be pure of heart, to be little. She knows how to mother. At her appearance as Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mary told Juan Diego, have I not placed you in my heart and made you my responsibility? I love those words. Mary just said that to you. Have I not put you in my heart and made you my responsibility? You're Mary's responsibility. You should take comfort in that. 
and says, yes, we live in the heart of Mary. We have her responsibility. We are her responsibility. She will keep us pure. The great gift of fear of the Lord will give us tremendous dislike and even a hatred for doing anything that displeases God and Our Lady. So again, you can find, obviously, um, the audio will be up and, um, and all the others. If you missed any of the other talks, they're up. Um, and then next week, um, we have sloth and greed. And that'll be our seven deadly sins. It's kind of hard to do two in one day, but did our best. The Lord, oh, we have one more thing. Um, in the back, um, Robert is, and Gina, um, they let us borrow this holy face shrine image. And it's been touched um, to the sword of Longinus. And I, some of you probably already noticed I shared it. Um, it's the holy face. It's been touched to, what else? The veil of Veronica. And the true cross. And so they're doing this thing uh, where it's that you, you as a family would do, uh, you would take this for uh, nine days and pray as a family. And then they would come to your home and there would be a prayer of consecration of your family to the holy face of Jesus. So if you're interested in that, that what they're doing is they're just signing families up that might be interested. It might not be like immediately, but if you want to do that for your family, you can sign up in the back um, because that's the whole point of this is to be Jesus's face in the world by eradicating sin. So let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you, Jesus, for these patient people. Thank you, Lord, for their hearts. Thank you for this beautiful gift of the Blessed Mother. Lord, we love Mary, and we ask you to give us the same love um, in our hearts that you have for Mary, that we might learn how to receive all good things from our Father, and that we might, Lord, be a light in the darkness, that we might be humble and little and not be afraid to be children of God. We pray for the armor of God to clothe these, your sons and daughters. We ask you, our Lady of Fatima, to protect us. And we pray for all those in our family and friends who have wandered and strayed and fallen away. Lord, we don't judge them, but we invite you to touch their hearts and to burn in their souls with a hunger and thirst for you alone. And we pray, our glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. May God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a good night. Yeah, it went dead.